having a range of emotions in business is incredibly important. I think it's such a shame that this whole tag of, oh, she's emotional, is even out there. Because the best leaders, in my opinions, are the ones who are authentic and transparent and are vulnerable and smart and skilled and visionary. And all of those things together make the best leaders. And sometimes as females, we curb that EQ because we don't want to be perceived in a way that is stereotypical. And ultimately, to me, that's a shame. It's a shame because it, it doesn't allow you to bring your best self. This is In Her Element, a podcast from BCG. I'm Corinne Lines. And I'm Andrea Gallego. Each episode, we have meaningful and vulnerable conversations with women leaders in digital, business, and technology. This episode, we're speaking with Ashley Grice, CEO of BCG Brighthouse. Now, for our audience members who might not know, Brighthouse is a division of BCG that focuses on purpose, vision, and impact storytelling. They're a consultancy driven to solve big problems through radical creativity, new strategic paths, and emotional connections. Ashley has so many amazing insights into what it means to be a female leader in business, how to set appropriate boundaries, and why being purpose-driven is so important. She speaks about how, as a leader, you need to bring your whole IQ, EQ self into your role. IQ, meaning your ability to solve problems, and EQ, meaning your emotional and empathetic self. We're so pleased to get to share this conversation with you, so let's take it away. So, hi, everybody. My name is Ashley Grice. I'm the CEO and Managing Director of BCG Brighthouse which is the group inside of BCG that focuses on purpose and vision and impact storytelling. I started out in public health, so I have an MPH, which I prize and use every day, along with my MBA to really kind of bring that force of of good public good and business together. Awesome. Now, that's interesting. How did you go from public health to being the CEO of this sort of think tank brand powerhouse? It was definitely a circuitous route. I started in public health because I thought for the longest time when I was a kid that I wanted to be a doctor. And so I really thought that was my path. And I discovered that I actually like the concept of healthcare versus maybe even being the provider in healthcare. So right after undergrad, went to go get my master's of public health. And when I was there, it was the first time I was really exposed to business. So operations and strategy, the types of of topics that I didn't cover as much being pre-med and being an English major at Princeton. So I took that into public health and then moved along the way, like the business aspect of that. And over time migrated to where I am leading a purpose organization, which honestly I think is the best combination of public health and business that you could get. So I feel very lucky to be in the position that I'm in. It sounds like such an awesome career path. And one of the things we love to explore here, because there's so many, I think there's so many people in our audience that are like, well, how did she do that? Like I have a public health degree and I would never even think of, you know, trying something like that out. I imagine maybe it wasn't the clearest path ever? Did you have any any challenges, any roadblocks along the way? I think the best paths are often not the most clear paths because as you're discovering small pieces along the way that is an opportunity or something that you find passion for, you may not be able to predict that in advance. I laugh with colleagues that LinkedIn always looks so linear 
but it's exactly like Instagram. Let's be honest. It's the same thing. People are showing highlights of where they've been and what they've done. And it looks like this career where there's line with slope of one. And it's simply not. There are peaks and valleys within that. And there are learning times and challenges and opportunities at every peak and every valley that you see. Yeah, exactly. You raise a really good point for like a LinkedIn UI change. It'd be nice to actually see it almost like a real path instead of this like up and down Word doc, which is kind of basically a dump of your resume, like you're saying, you know, like I, I wonder if sometimes where like my little Lehman Brothers thing is, if I could have like an emoji of like a firebomb, like, well, this company went completely under and it was a complete, it was a dumpster fire. It was great. <laughs> there have definitely been several dumpster fires <laughs> along my career. There's always a good dumpster fire, but don't you learn something from that? Isn't it true always. that right after a dumpster fire is when the human brain actually learns to reconnect and create new neural pathways to learn so you don't do that again? Yes. You just start thinking like, okay, hold on a second. Like, what am I actually doing? And otherwise, you're if you don't get those moments, you're maybe just like mindlessly going through life. Yeah. I agree. It can be, if one is constantly focused on the next title, the next promotion in the same space, or really being titularly focused, it can actually hamper opportunity because you don't see it. And so having that open mind of what is that next step of personal development, I think is, a, is an important piece to allowing this kind of jagged route to this circuitous route, this differentiated path to emerge over time. Yeah. Oh, so true. You know, we, I think as women, as men, as all genders, when we go through these journeys, there are these moments of grit, resilience. I think every, there's probably a 25 books that say the word grit and resilience these days. What has either word meant for you? And, and has there been a moment when you've really felt like this is the moment where I'm using this muscle? I think for me, the driving force has always been, and I tell this to my kids too, I have two teenagers, that life is too short not to do things that bring you joy. And it doesn't mean that when the going gets tough, you abandon that path. It means that you always look for what is the opportunity in this space and how am I gonna turn it into something of value for myself or for others? And resilience in many ways comes from the ability, in my opinion, to take a look at a situation and analyze it in such a way that you can find the good and the value in it to build on. And so if you're able to do that, keep your eye on the prize, if you will, that will always help you through a situation while you mitigate everything else beyond your control. And then you can, you can go to the next step in that path, knowing that you've taken something good along with you. So whatever you've left behind, you're able to look at it, back at it later with a little bit of fondness. Even if it wasn't fun, it taught you something important. And trying to take that kind of attitude at looking at it, I think, is, is a path to resilience, in my, in my opinion. I love that. So why don't we, I mean, turn the, turn the page a little bit. Let us know what, I mean, you know, tell the audience what Bright House is. So Bright House is the global home of purpose within BCG. We are the pioneers of purpose. We've been doing purpose work since, goodness, 1995, long before anybody talked about it in the news. And when I talk about purpose, what I mean is that we help companies identify that North Star that I alluded to, the concept of what you do really well and the role in the world you're meant to play. And at the intersection of those two things is your purpose and it defines what value you bring and if you were to disappear tomorrow, what the world would lose. 
So we help companies find that. And then we move on to helping them understand their vision, which is where they're headed, or their mission, which is what they do in context of that purpose. And that can come out in a lot of strategic imperatives, responsible AI, ESG strategy, DEI, application of culture, employee engagement, all of these different things that can be purpose-driven to really be authentic and to stick. Have you, in your career, BCG outside of BCG, you know, schooling, have you run into any any challenges becoming, you know, a, a powerful woman? That's kind of you to say I am. Thank you. Of course I have. You know, there are the more textbook ones that you would expect. You are in the organization. You are maybe one level down from the top. You're the only female in that level, and the top is all male. And that relation aspect can be difficult, right? Sometimes it's a translation between different types of of people trying to understand how they come to the table and what they bring and, and really how to ascend in that space. I've been there. I remember when I hit the glass ceiling with my head really hard. You know, I've been in companies where because it was an internationally based company, being an American and being an American woman was like, whoa, who is that tiger over there? She kind of freaks me out. I don't know what to do with that, right? There's that. So it's like the gender piece plus the cultural piece. So I've had to learn to navigate that. I think too, one of the biggest challenges, and maybe it's exacerbated by what I do now, is that in a combination of a job, which is really IQ, EQ, which CEOs must be IQ, EQ, If you are a female, you have to be careful about how you express the EQ and the way that you want to be perceived, right? EQ can mean I have a lot of empathy, I understand situations in a way that maybe you don't want it perceived, I'm an emotional person. You know, having a range of emotions in business is incredibly important. I think it's such a shame that this whole tag of, oh, she's emotional is even out there. Because the best leaders, in my opinions, are the ones who are authentic and transparent and are vulnerable and smart and skilled and visionary. And all of those things together make the best leaders. And sometimes as females, we curb that EQ because we don't want to be perceived in a way that is stereotypical. And ultimately, to me, that's a shame. It's a shame because it, it doesn't allow you to bring your best self. I think about this sometimes as well as, as feeling... Sometimes I feel like my mentors, I want I don't want to say fell into my lap, but sort of it was, you know, fortuitous that it happened because I was at a particular job or <clears throat> a particular school or what have you. What advice do you have to girls, women out there that how would you recommend they start looking for for a mentor or, you know, someone that can give them that same feedback? I think the concept of networking sometimes is skewed because people always think mentoring and networking, somebody that can help me has to be powerful. They have to have position, they have to have title. And so much of networking is just with the people around you in the moments that you believe, hear you, see you, like really see you and have your best interest at heart. And that might be people who are your peers. It might be someone who's above you. It might be somebody who maybe even reports to you. But for whatever reason, They bring out the best or they challenge you in ways that you know better yourself. Pay attention to that. Pay attention to that. I also tell women that oftentimes you will run into some of these amazing people and they will say, that was so nice to meet you. We should catch up. And the women will say, yes. And then nothing happens. Whenever somebody offers you a, you know, a lifeline like that, take it and take it immediately and say, yes, I will follow up. Thank you so much. And literally follow up. 
right then, right? And the idea isn't to just to pick their brain and pull value, but you also want to make sure you're bringing value to them in some way, shape, or form. Usually when someone offers you something like that, they're intrigued by you for some reason. Potentially, they've learned something from you in that conversation. Think about that. Think about how to bring value. So don't always have to shoot for the top for a mentor. Look around to people who better you no matter where they are because over the course of time when that network grows, eventually, if you do need someone who has influence in a certain way, they will be available to you very naturally, very organically because you know the web around them, if that makes sense. That makes a a ton of sense. I I love the point of listening to those moments of when you might say, oh, I really want to talk to that person, but there isn't a clear step as to how they'll directly help me with my career. I had a great, I was part of a um, a program called Inroads in college, and it's for Latin American and Hispanic students who want to go into business. And you basically get put through what, what feels like an eight-month hazing boot camp. <laughs> to get you ready to, you know, how many times do you handshake, et cetera. And one of the things that someone said to me that really stuck was when you walk into the office of a very senior person and you're ready to interview, you need to be very kind and very respectful to every single person in the room, including their admins. Because guess what? They may be more important than that person. That is a universal truth. The admins <laughs> run the show all they run the time. The show. Never forget. <laughs> and it was more of a, you know, it, it, it was like, I loved it because they weren't talking about just admins. They were basically saying, be very careful when you look at title. Be very careful when you look at seniority and treat everyone with respect. If you like that person, have a coffee with that person. Don't just be like, oh, I want to have a coffee with that person, but they're an admin. Like, that's an awful, you know, have a coffee with that person. You never you never know what that might lead to. And that really personally, that struck me as well. Because, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things where sometimes we get so, so caught up in titles and headlines and brands and names and uh, too much. You know, much more so than title influence is the thing that makes a business function. And I remember I had a boss... Several years ago, and he told me that he was he was talking about on my um, annual review or something about developing a sense of influence, leadership by influence. And at the time when he said it, it was a little bit nebulous to me. And I said, tell me examples of what you mean. And then once he had said that, I started observing it in him and what he did. He always was able to beautifully move the conversation to where he wanted it to go. Or people would do things for him, not because they reported to him, but because they liked him. And that sense of influence was really important. And I try to tell um, folks with whom I work or those that work for me or students that ask, always think about cultivating that sense of influence. Bring value to the table. Use it wisely. Be thoughtful about the exchange. You know, don't take up too much air th- of the airspace. Don't ask for something until you have a relationship established. And be be thoughtful about how you really build that because so much more of leadership comes with influence than it does with title. Oh, yes. Speaking of advice, <laughs> what other, I'm sure there are ladies out there, there are people in our audience wondering, what could I do to have a career like hers? Any any advice, any pointers on how to get to a place like yours? One thing I will say for potentially young women who are listening, who will look at career paths and say, I don't know how I'm going to do that if I plan to be really engaged with a partner, if I plan to have children, if I have other interests, like how does one balance that all? 
I think um, not to be fearful of going in, go in and understand in a way how you set your boundaries. And I will often say for me personally, this may not be true for all, but for me, there isn't work-life balance because it's just life. And so the idea is how do I set boundaries on every activity that I do in life in order to make sure I'm getting to the place I want to get and I feel fulfilled along the way. So for example, there are two times a year that I never travel and it is during my children's final exams. They don't really need to study with me just for, and they've told me this, just kind of like me being around. So there's always weeks in my time. calendar. Yeah. You know, just a pat pat or here's a glass of water <laughs> or you got, you know, whatever that is, the pep talk, I don't know. And they are very distinctly blocked out boundaries in my calendar and I don't cross them no matter what no matter what I'm asked to do. I don't do that. I also remember my dad who was a great mentor. Both my parents were fantastic. And my dad told me once, you know, when you set boundaries, especially when I had young kids and you're going to leave the office, may as, maybe not be as relevant now as it was back then when we were in all the time. He's like, don't explain yourself. You know, guys that leave the office to go to the gym, they never say, well, I'm leaving now to go to the gym. Why do you have to say I'm leaving now, you know, to go breastfeed my child? You don't. Just add value, be present, make sure that people understand what you bring to the table. And no matter where you are or what time it is, they'll find you. And as long as you're able to continue to do that job really well, it won't matter what those boundaries are that you set for yourself, but set them. I think that's really key. So when I get the question, I don't know how you do it, you just do it. And everybody's having it all or everybody's work-life balance is different for everybody. It's all dependent on personal boundaries that you set. And don't be shy about setting those and then working really hard to maintain them. Does not mean you'll be perfect. There are times when I've messed up. I still remember what they are. There's events I've missed that I'm like, darn it. I, ah, right? But there's not that many of them over the course of my career. And that's helpful because I look back on the time of rise in my career and working really hard and having two kids. Now they're 17 and 15 and we're really tight and we have a great family unit. And that took a lot of effort on everybody's side, but you can make it happen and you can make it happen in the way you want to. You just have to take control of that in many ways. That's amazing. And I'm sure your your children appreciate and see that, right? That they have this mom that's a careered mom, but that's also an active mom. And I'm I'm sure they they must love you very much. Oh, they do. darn it, they do. But you know, you get both sides, right? You get both sides. Oh, like really teenagers. I'm sure you get both sides. <laughs> you get both sides. But really, are you you, you gotta go back to X? Really? And I was like, Yeah, yeah. But then the other side's like sometimes they'll say, like, oh, I saw this video of you and I flexed it. <laughs> You know, I showed my friends, I'm like, all right, that's like the epitome. When somebody actually mentions you to somebody else, like one of their peers on social media, you have totally made it. Forget everything else. Yeah, especially when it's like the younger generation, you're like, wow, <laughs> right? okay, this worked. <laughs> exactly. When I'm invited to do a TikTok with my daughter, I'm terrible. There's a few out there, hopefully not. Don't go looking for them. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's that's a sign of, of love and acceptance. I'll take it. I'll take it. 100%. Oh, well, thank you, Ashley, so, so much for joining us. I'm so excited to, to have you speak to our audience. And it was a wonderful, wonderful time getting to chat with you a little more. You too. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you for inviting me. I feel very honored. And hopefully somebody gets a, some nugget of wisdom that they can use or that helps them or makes them feel good moving forward. That was our conversation with Ashley Grice, CEO of BCG Bright House. I love the bring your, just bring your whole self, right? She talks about 
having a few moments where, you know, either you, you need to like just go close the door and cry in someone's office or just break down for a minute because we're so built to sort of look a certain way and be a certain way at work. And that that actually, you know, if you have a good leader and if you have a good support group, that should never, you know, it, it never makes anyone feel less of you or think less of you. We're human, we're emotional, and if we bring our entire selves to our career, we're going to cry, we're going to yell, I mean, we're going to laugh. Like, I would almost question if someone is too much of a robot, I'm like, I don't know if you're really bringing your whole self to this here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I love that about her. I definitely got like a review at one point that was like, your EQ is really high. And I was like, okay, but it wasn't necessarily like, we think of it as a good thing, you know, like you need to bring more, that's not enough kind of thing. And I think I bottle it a lot. Like, I think I try to keep it on the deal. I think especially in consultancy that, you know, you do kind of like try to like be really even keel and like keep it under the covers and just handle it, just handle it, handle it, handle it. Right. And so that was sort of affirming to hear her say, that's okay. It's okay to be emotional and to bring that as an asset. Like, yes, almost revolutionary. Like, I don't know. I thought it was very impactful what she had to say about that. Yes. Well, that's a wrap on this episode of In Her Element, a podcast by BCG. Join us every episode to hear meaningful conversations with women leaders in digital business and technology. And thank you so much, as always, for listening. For listening.